Experience true vulnerability, how to overcome trials. You will laugh, cry, and experience everything in between. Welcome to the King of Corona podcast. Brought to you by Tyler Griffith. Recording in progress. All right, let's start. So I got these guys on the podcast. This is uh, Dustin Lovell. He's one of my friends from high school. He used to live in the neighborhood across from one of my best friends. And he was a great, you were one year younger than me, right? Uh, two. So actually, I was actually in the same grade as Ryan. Oh, you always seemed older. It's because I hung out with you and Tyler. <laughs> no. And you had your cool parents that were always out there with their Harleys. And, you know, it just it brought you up to another level. <laughs> Kevin yeah. Trouble and then as, as much time as we spent running track and, and with Tyler playing football and we were always interacting with each other. So Yeah, that was fun, huh? Yeah, we had a, we had some moments. Those were the days back in back in high school. Right. Yeah, so we got your partner here. Introduce yourself to us real fast. Um Adam Welvin. Um another Colorado boy, uh born and raised. Uh, and yeah, Dustin and I have uh, been friends for he's going on probably seven years now, and okay. been doing the Uller for almost about a year now. So oh, yeah, how'd you guys meet? Randomly, it was through a group of friends. So sports draws everything, right? So <clears throat> one of Adam's buddies, Nick, uh, his cousins played football with me at Hastings. I ran track with them at Hastings, so okay. football and track connection, and then randomly through Nick, uh, met Adam, and then we just had kind of a shared love of the outdoors, philosophy, religion, and just general uh, visions on life, uh, how we how we handle things, and, and he's just a cool dude to hang out with. Plus, he get he keeps yeah. me out of as much <laughs> trouble as I get into, so it's always a positive. Yeah, it's kind of fun when you meet people where you just kind of like lick right right well and then too there's a certain level of trust with it i think it's yeah now being in our late 30s how hard it is to develop friendships because it's like i i don't know how to relate to half the people i meet versus <laughs> adam instantly it was there was just you could talk about anything we we had that kind of a relationship with each other it was just it just vibed and it was awesome and then yeah it progressed and here we are today and we're running a crazy archery business and seriously literally just got back from a hunt on sunday so that's awesome i'm wearing your gear right here too see that love that brother yeah look this is nice this actually this is super comfortable where do you get your stuff made because i got so this podcast i made some shirts and hats but like i never really like got the website and everything put together so who did did you guys do it to yourself to get the merchandise Talk about that real quick. Like, where can people get your merchandise? Because this is a, yeah. like, so this sweatshirt right here, I got a large. I would say I probably should have got an extra large. Just for, for the listeners, I would say get one size bigger than what you think. They're, they're the Euro sizes. We, we try to make yeah. people feel good about themselves. Like, oh, yeah, I need a large. <laughs> good lifting, right? Yeah. Um, it is nice. So, yeah, tell me, like, how who set that up? Like, what do you, who do you go through? So I'll let Adam kind of start. We we had some connections there, but uh, Adam Adam kind of got it rolling with it, and kind of this is actually how the business kind of got started too, was just through connections. So okay, I don't want to talk about Clone Star. Yeah, I, 
Yeah, you know, we started with them um, and really from other podcasts we've been on, uh, friends that we have that are doing, you know, stuff within the hunting space and just seeing what they're getting their apparel from. Um, and it kind of graduated from there to, um, you know, using Printify and uh, being able to print things on demand as orders come in instead of having to buy stock ahead of time and then keeping inventory ourselves. So it really streamlines the whole deal um, where you're not having to, you know, uh, cash flow a bunch of stuff ahead of time before you've even sold anything. So that's the, that's the worst part. You got to come out way too much out of pocket. One of the other advantages it gives you the ability to kind of play with different product types. I mean, we had our first run of shirts. We really liked them. But as we got to wear them a little bit more, we realized that that brand of uh, fabric that we chose really just wasn't, it wasn't conducive to who we are. And I, we like shirts that feel good. They got a light feel to them. They're flexible. They're, they're comfortable. There's something I can throw a jacket on. It was, it really felt like the t-shirts you just get from like a, a smaller fundraiser. It's kind of yeah. the vibe we got. Yeah. So we actually changed the product line to something a little bit softer. And again, that, that kind of t-shirt material, the sweatshirt. This is, this wearing, is very actually, comfortable. Yeah, that's one of the really new like the new uh, types of um, the cotton blend fabric that we're using. Again, it's it's just more comfortable to wear, and that's really the yeah. idea behind our apparel. Is one, it represents who we are. So you can see very clearly, it is an archery company that has its roots tied in hunting and everything that we do. And and we can go into a little bit later why that's so important. Adam and I, and obviously with our our slogan here, dealing death darts. And you see the if you desire change invite chaos i know this is this is our logo this is our motto we have both have it ingrained on our bodies now so it's we're in this for life but it was really we wanted something that people could connect to right and whether it's guys girls archers hunters i just liking the the image of who we are as a company with oolers and and the logo behind it is just wanted something that's really that dynamic so how'd you what's this name oolers how'd you come up with that so Uller is the Norse god of winter hunting and archery, right? Hmm. So you couldn't ask for a better combination of, of, of uh, culture and idea behind what we were trying to accomplish with the archery company. And obviously, we, I'm a big fan of the show Vikings. I, I love the history yeah, behind it's the best. how ingrained that culture is really in the idea of hunting and the warrior mentality and pushing things to the edge and, and literally going as far as you can to achieve what you want to achieve. That's really what who we are as a company. And again, that's okay. perfect example within our products of, and we'll, we'll kind of talk about that too, just the extent to detail that Adam and I go into these these builds. Because yeah, I, I want to talk to you guys. I mean, I want to almost like, you know, those books like the, like, what's it called? The, the <laughs> Hunting for Dummies or whatever it's called. Yeah. So I'm brand new. And so I'm one of those like, my dad never hunted. My grandpa never hunted. It's like total city boy. And so I started to listen to like David Goggins, which rolled into Cam Haynes, oh, yeah. Joe Rogan. And so it's like, I feel like a lot of people like me are interested to get into bow hunting, but it's so, it feels like, it honestly feels like overwhelming. Like to get it, to figure out how to do everything feels like such a big task. But I think so many of us want to do what you guys are doing but we don't know where to start and i feel like so in your personal opinion would you start like 
as a hunter in rifle, would you start with rifle? Would you go right to bow? What would you guys do? Adam? Um, you know, I, I personally, um, I started with rifle and muzzleloader, um, just because again, a bow to me was so daunting. Uh, my grandpa hunted, um, but he never, um, never hunted with a bow. It was always with a rifle. And so that's just kind of what I was brought up doing. Yeah. Um, and so it's bow hunting is tough. Um, Siding in your bow is tough. Maintaining your bow is tough. And so I think as a new hunter, me personally, um, even though, you know, <laughs> we own an archery company, <laughs> I, I, to be completely honest, I think starting with a rifle, um, being able to get out and touch something at a much further distance, I think as a new hunter helps you gain the confidence to go from a rifle to a bow yeah. and to step up your game go to the next challenge and really hone in your skill of getting you know within 70 yards of an animal um and, and being able to uh to make a good clean ethical shot so um yeah i i think as new hunters i would probably start with a rifle and then kind of graduate from there yeah and well, there's some there's some really interesting correlation between the two right and again, as you start to get into the specifically rifle shooting and, and long distance shooting as that's that's kind of where i had cut my teeth is i've been a shooter my whole life i had not hunted till i met adam i was kind of like you tyler I was, my dad didn't yeah. really hunt my family in nebraska i mean we had cattle, hogs, sheep. We didn't really have a need to go and hunt. I mean, yeah. all the boys hunted. I've been asked my whole life to go hunting. I just <laughs> it never clicked with me until we start having that conversation. And then you start to apply all the things. I've shot my whole life. And, I've saved, and you see like our friend Hegwood, Travis Hegwood, prolific long distance shooter. Yeah. And again, you see his stuff all the time. There's a lot of people that are really very much into this, but you don't really hear about it. And you start to apply those same methodologies and the details around, are, are you lining up your shot? Do you understand your distances? What are you shooting at? Do you shoot in different terrain? What are you shooting across? And how, how you need to design your rifle to fit the needs. And you and I had that discussion when you got your rifle. Yeah, actually, just so everyone knows, I, I got into hunting and the main person I went to, to all, for all my advice is Dustin. So I got the 308. The Ruger, it's it's a great, it's honestly a great gun. I got the Vortex scope and I mean, the bang for your buck, I feel like is the best thing that I could possibly get. And so, yeah, this, I'm hoping to get something this year, but I didn't, I didn't apply. That's another thing, like applying for the tags. I feel like, I mean, I'm going to do it over the counter, just kind of go out for three, four days, see what I can find. But so... Is that your, like you think also then Dustin, starting kind of with a rifle, kind of dial that in? Yeah, I mean, it's it builds a level of confidence, right? Because yeah. with a rifle, there's less you have to think about. And in most average hunter situations, you're probably not gonna take a shot over 200 yards. Yeah. I, mean, I practice at five, six, 700, 800 yards. I mean, Adam and I went out to Pawnee, uh, both of him and I shoot the Christensen MPRs, so it's a, it's basically a chassis precision rifle. Yeah. And we were out there at what, 600 yards with a 21 hour crosswind and Adam was dropping dimes on an eight inch steel target. <laughs> so it, it really builds that confidence because you, you can, 
you can go right into the field and as long as you've taken the time to dial in your rifle as long as you're within that sight range it's kind of a point and shoot type mentality now adam hit on one of the most important points as a hunter it doesn't matter whether it's a bow a rifle black powder Bowie knife in Texas is, is, is an ethical kill. Yeah. Are you taking an ethical shot? Can you recover the animal? Like, are you doing everything up to that point to honor what you're you're trying to take down? And again, that gets lost on a lot of people, but yeah, that's a question. That's a big question I have. Like not growing up in hunting or knowing much about hunting besides podcast and listening to you guys and different podcasters. But so what? percentage of hunters do you think have taken a shot that has been out of their comfort zone and really injured an animal and they can't find it wounded it and then what how do you think that affects because i would imagine like if you did that you'd have to be a psychopath to not feel bad about it to like yes but like do you think it's the majority of hunters that injure an animal and then they kind of fine-tune it or do you think like, what do you think is in terms of hunters? Like, does it happen to everybody? I'm going to let Adam answer that one. Because I actually, as a new hunter, when I got into this, I asked him this very same question. His answer was prolific, right? It's just yeah, really made sense. If you do this long enough, you will injure an animal that you won't recover. Guaranteed, 100%. Um, very confident in that. And once you do it once you will do everything in your power to never do it again. Yeah. And so it's, it's something that you can um, kind of imagine and think about like how terrible that would be. There yeah. is no feeling. I've, I've stood on the side of a mountain on a bear that I shot that I did not recover and bawled my eyes out. Yeah. Um, and it, it makes you better. Like you, you will be better. You will, practice harder you'll train harder you'll do whatever you can um but yeah it's it will happen to everyone it's not if it's when and starting to to build some mental toughness around that um you know is, is good to start as a new hunter you know start that mentality now do whatever you can so that doesn't happen but prepare for when it does happen to to take that and make you know make yourself better yeah that's a pretty good segue into your guys's arrows though. Cause that's, I mean, that's really like what you guys are trying to prevent against is fit the arrow to the hunter. And so, cause I, I don't know, if, like with a rifle, I don't know if it's the same as like with the bow, it's probably a lot different because the bow feels like the bow would be way more connected to you. I have a lot of friends. I've, I've had one of these bows before. I can't even um, like the amount of or you got to pull back so hard on that thing and i feel like the what you guys go through like i feel like i'd blow my shoulder out and how many shots are you taking per week like i know is it in your backyard you're shooting dustin is that where you shoot leading up to season i was probably doing 150 to 200 arrows a day every single day every single day and so you hey, get that's, that's me. Over. That's my overkill, like over detailed mentality. And as I you'll, you'll hear with Adam and I kind of how we manage this company is I'm, I'm the detail nut. Like I, I yeah. will kill you with details and that's just how I, that's how I function. That's my brain. Well, um, you saw an elk. You didn't take the shot cause you did there was too much. 
Oh yeah, was, we'll, we'll get into that one. That was that was yeah. kind of doozy. It had been a long freaking day at that point. But uh, I mean, I I do the same with rifle. I mean, there is there's something that just drives me crazy. And again, this is my personality. I will go yeah. to the range and I'll watch guys getting ready for rifle season, and they'll put up a target at a hundred yards. They'll take five shots and they'll say, mm, "I'm on paper. I'm good." I, that's that's just not acceptable for me. Yeah. And the same thing with my bow. If I'm not dropping dimes at 100, I'm not 100% confident I'm going to put that bullet or that arrow inside that same dot over and over yeah. and over and over again consistently. Like I'm not going to go and take that into the field. And that's that's a personal mentality because I grew up in this realm with Adam pushing the idea of you, you want to do the right thing and are you doing enough to prepare for that moment in the field? Now you talked about the the moment of what if you do miss? What if you do make a mistake? Yeah. And are, are you going through it? Are you prepping? And, and I think it goes back to a, an athlete mentality that I mean, both Adam and I were athletes. You were an athlete. Yeah. How many times did we practice our fucking starts in high school over and over and over and over and over again? And it's just, it, it's that same mentality. You start to apply it to other things like hunting and archery. And with archery, it gets a little bit more detail oriented because you talk about how the bow connects to you. I mean, you're connected to a rifle. Yeah. The rifle's going to do a lot of the work for you. You can still pull a shot. You can still be in the wrong breath cycle, yeah. and you, you can drop or hit high three inches at, at five, six hundred yards by just the wrong breath cycle. Um, you could not relax your shot. I mean, there's those moments. I think with archery, it gets a little bit more intense because you've yeah. got two connection points with your your release hand and your bow hand. You're holding it for a long period of time. You're trying to maintain your sight picture. You're trying to your anchor spot for your your release. A, there's a lot of factors you're trying to balance the bow and make sure it's it's level. It's it's a, but you have to create a cycle of process around it, and then on top of that, you now have an arrow that's being designed for your poundage on the bow, your draw length, what you're shooting, what your max shot distance is going to be. Because I can build an arrow for guys that will never take a shot over 40, and it's a very different build than like what Adam and I are shooting, where we may potentially be comfortable with an 80 yard shot. Yeah on the right target, in the right scenario, with the right setup, right? And again, those are all those check downs you're going through up to the moment you release that arrow and let it fly. That's that thought process you have to go through. And we, we try and ingrain that in people that perfection starts with you. The bow never lies. The bow is perfect. It's you that's imperfect. And when you don't perfect the process to utilize the bow, that's when your shots go all over the place. And to Adam's point earlier, you talk about like how many shots you take, you're going to have a screw up. Uh, like I said, I 150, 200 arrows a day and I'm drilling the same target over and over. And then I take one mental moment break as I draw back and I let one fly and I wasn't ready for it. And I missed the target by three feet. It happens. And I lost the arrow in my back. Well, it was my neighbor's backyard. Is it, do you play golf at all? Me? Yeah. I used to. I hate it because same mentality, right? It's it's such a process thing. But yeah, um, yeah I, I, <laughs> I gave up golf for more, more fun. Thing. But golf includes a lot of drinking. So <laughs> you can't drink and shoot, shoot bows or shoot guns, but the drinking comes after when all that's done. It's way more yeah, fun. Yeah, right? That's a celebration. Brown. <laughs> yeah, I play, I play a lot of golf and I feel like it's the same, kind of the same concept, like you get those days where you're really dialed in and it is, it really is like you get the right ball and the club and everything makes a difference because you get that spin 
and the mm-hmm. spin is gonna take it. And like, if you play with a ball, ball, that thing is gonna like take off, and it could go wherever. If you play a club with no grooves, it's gonna go wherever. And like, I think too many people. I mean, golf doesn't matter because I mean, I guess you could break a window, you could hurt like a pedestrian, you could like. I've seen some people get kind of uh, like the, like the time you drilled Tyler with the ball when he was sitting on the golf cart. Right. <laughs> I played that at sunset. We had this like teacher. Of, I don't know what it was, but I hit it into a parking lot and hit three cars, mm-hmm. <laughs> three cars. But with an arrow, it's a life at stake. So right. yeah, yeah, it's a much about, more serious ordeal. Yeah. So tell me about your guys's like business. Tell me about your arrows. What do you guys do to kind of get like to the next level to make sure that like your hunters are just one step above everybody else that's out there yeah i mean that you you hit on an interesting correlation with golf right like you go and get a set of clubs fit to you you're with a pro shop they're building everything out to make sure it's perfect their club length and head shape and everything that's involved in your shop process how, how you swing that same methodology goes into the bow and specifically the arrows and part of yeah. what we do is there's a, a big mathematical equation that goes into this that takes into account factors of your bow like i said your draw length weight max shot distance do you have a preference of broadhead weight because i'm matching the the field point that we're putting on there to your broadhead weight so they shoot identical um the type of arrow that we're using uh, carbon fiber weave versus roll and we we really try and take top grade materials without making it prohibitively expensive because again you can go down an absolute rabbit hole with arrows as you can with golf clubs as you can with rifles as you can with bows and sometimes it's not even necessarily the equipment it's that's going to take you to the next level is can you tune it to yourself and can you shoot it effectively can you repeat the process the same way over and over and over again yeah. that's what makes a really good shooter i know guys with bows from 10 years ago and they still kick my ass when we go to the range but they've shot that bow for 10 years they know exactly how it's going to function. They've perfected their process and shooting cycle. They perfected an arrow that fits them, that fits their shot style. That's really what we try and accomplish. Now, obviously with Adam's expertise and his just flair for like visual appeal and, and how it makes you feel to have something custom. And that, that's really what we try and embody as a custom experience. These arrows are built for you. And like when we do these, like we'll do the custom wraps. This is actually my my custom arrow for me. It's got the Uller's logo. It's got the Colorado flag. So it's just something that for me felt really good. That was one of the very first wraps we designed together and, and put out there. Um, but we really try and take people to that next level for that reason. And again, at a price point that's still achievable for the average archer. Now, again, yeah. it's not cheap, but it's definitely something you're going to appreciate the capabilities for once it's in your hands i got a five month old <laughs> he just woke up and he's screaming in the background <clears throat> trying to shoot a text make sure she can go take care of him yeah. But, uh, yeah i mean that arrow looks really nice so like there is a different weight a different like i mean how long does it take you to make like a set of how many arrows will you make for one hunter so that really depends. Most times we'll do sets of six, 12, 18, 24. What's that, so what's the cost? Like if you broke it down, so your arrow right there, if you made that six arrows, what would that cost? So like this arrow all built in time is about 29 bucks an arrow. 49 bucks. That's not too bad. 
Yeah, I mean, when you go, to, you go to like Shields or Cabela's, what's a set of arrows, Adam? What about 10, 12 bucks an arrow out of the box? Yeah. yeah. Or, was, like, yeah. what's the difference? So, like, if you buy the stock arrow from Shills or Cabela's, like, I mean, that's obviously, it's got no, it's not fitted at all. It's basically like going to, because that's how I bought my first golf clubs. I went to the store and Tiger Woods played Nike. So, it's like, let's buy some Nikes. Right. And not fit it to you. And then, I mean, it's just, it honestly is very, I bet it's very, very similar to golf because you have a swing speed, there's a ball speed, there's a club, like your face is going to turn over and it's like, you want to match everything up. And so. That's exactly what this is. Yeah, but and you again, guys are dealing like, with lives. Like you're trying to take mm -hmm. a life to feed your family and put some meat in the fridge. And I feel like. There's probably not enough people that respect the art of hunting and they think it's just going to be, we can go out, we'll get lucky. Like you were saying, like take five shots with a rifle and then go out and try to <laughs> try to kill something. And then you shoot it in the leg or you shoot it in the neck or something where the animal's just injured. And that's mm -hmm. so that's horrible. Right. What you guys are doing is amazing to, to help people actually focus and get better. It's, one of the the there's a gentleman's name is Luke Quadia. He runs the uh, Gladiators Unleashed podcast. Um, he's actually the coach for Justin Gaethje. He made a really interesting point the very first time we talked about what this means to people, right? I mean, you and the boys take a golf vacation every year. You go to Cabo, you go to Texas, you go to Florida. You play some epic course. I mean that that is your vacation. You are spending more than just money it's time and energy to get out there and do this and hunters have a very similar mentality where i mean i've got 10 days of pto that i'm going to burn to go hunting but that's my vacation that's my experience and and i i save up time to make sure that happens so yeah. especially we're gifted the three of us and we're all from colorado we've all had the ability to live here our whole lives we have people all over the world that can't enjoy or we can I'm going to get up at 3 a.m. Saturday and drive an hour and a half, and I'm going to get one more day of hunting on Saturday. Most people can't do that. But you get someone that wants to hunt an elk, they're going to save up $10,000, $20,000 for a guided hunt to come out here for four or five days and maybe get one shot. That's why we do the arrows this way is you're going to get one shot. And can I, as an archery professional, can I get you in that realm that you have the tools in your hand to up to the point, and again, you control the shot, but up to that point, everything you're doing is perfect. Your bow shops tuned your bow. You're exactly where you need to be. Your arrows are tuned to you, the shooter and the bow. Now it's up to you to execute, obviously, but. Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine anything more stressful, more anxious than having the animal in front of you and not trusting your equipment. It's a weird feeling. That'd be um, the worst. That'd be the worst. Have you been no. hunting your whole life, Adam? Is this like you've been doing this since you were a boy? No. Um, like I said, my grandpa was was a hunter in the family, and he was just kind of too old to take me. And so, you know, we would fish and stuff. That was a little bit easier on him. But um, I didn't start hunting until I was in college. And okay. a lot of it was kind of taking what he had taught me, what we had, you know, pretty much talked about and just a whole lot of trial and error um my very first hunt i ever went on i was up outside of golden gate canyon in the middle of november i brought up
my little backpacking tent and froze my ass off. Um, <laughs> didn't see anything and just was not prepared for what I was doing. And, uh, you know, every year you learn and these were, it's almost 20 years now. Um, I'm still learning. I mean, I learned a lot even when Dustin and I were out last weekend. So it, you never stop learning and you just, uh, you just keep kind of grinding away and honing, honing your craft. So, yeah, that's so cool though. So is there any, like, do you get, do you think anybody that gets into hunting and gets an animal ever gets burnt out of it? Or do you think it's a lifetime, a lifetime thing? It just doesn't, it seems like once you get that meat, yeah, I, I think it all depends on the person. I, I do know there's, you know, like my dad. Um, my dad first went hunting with my grandpa when he was 16 years old, kind of going back to the bad shot deal, um, ended up uh, wounding a deer and um, having to get a little bit more up close and personal with it to, um, you know, to finish the job. And he never picked up a rifle after that. Oh, you know, really? It was traumatic and he that not, not for me, I'll stick with bird hunting, but big game is not my deal. So, um, Dude, you know, felt I, like a, he it, felt like a, like a spirit, almost like a spiritual connection with the animal or something. I, yeah, I, I think he just, he felt so bad that he injured it and made it suffer for a period of time. And then, you know, had to kind of finish the job a little bit more up and close, um, that it just, he, he couldn't stomach it and um you know i i think even for people that take good ethical shots their first go around and the animal dies instantly they're you know i know men and women that they get up to the animal and it just it's heartbreaking and not in a way of they're not able to to see past the taking the life and they say you know what not for me Mm -hmm. so um You know, this hunters like Dustin and I that, man, I, I think I've gotten emotional at every single animal I've ever taken in my entire life. Um, but it's good. But the meat that it provides, um, the camaraderie with my friends, time in the mountains, um, connecting with something that's uh, primal and, you know, part of the, the human experience and history, you know, is what keeps me coming back. So, um, every, every hunter I know feels there's a lot of excitement, but when you get up to that animal, um, there's always a time of reflection. Um, and every good hunter I know does that. So, yeah, that's one of the, which was one of the, again, I, I like to brag on Adam. Obviously he's one of my best friends, but he's also, he's someone I trust inherently with this because he, he brought me into this culture and this life. And that was one of the very first things when um, I took my mule deer was that moment. And I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure how to feel after my first shot. <laughs> and it was, it was a weird rush of emotions. And we, we've seen every, every hunter has a different reaction, right? You've got the guys that get up there and they are stone cold on the rifle or the bow and they'll pull the trigger. And then immediately they are a bubbling mess. Yeah. And you meet the other guys that are just, they're shaking, can barely <laughs> hold still. And you ever seen Luke they, Bryan? What? Yeah. Right. Did, did I smoke him? Did I smoke him? Yup. And, and <laughs> people get that way. And then you get the other ones that 
and mine was not an instantaneous thing. It took a little bit to kind of absorb in and take in what had just happened, yeah. how it happened, what I was just a part of. And then like 30, 40 minutes after the whole event, I was very emotional in the moment, but then there's this wave of emotion afterwards that catches up. And again, you understand your place in that life cycle now. Yeah. And that was- Especially really if you're eating, if you're already eating meat, right it connects you to the process of because i mean you go one of those to the factory farms or right. cows i mean they're getting slaughtered it's right. not just happening magically it's it's almost the same thing you're doing but a little bit more brutal well and there's there's nothing like that very first like we cut up a piece of the tenderloin that evening and roasted over fire with a little salt and pepper and bourbon, of course, because that's yeah. what you do to celebrate. That was that was the best meal I had in my entire life. And I've, I've been a lot of places on this planet. I've had some amazing food next to my wife's cooking. That was <laughs> that was one of the top moments. And yeah, I can't wait to have that moment. Really, just kind of brought it full circle, right? Because I got to be there with Adam. He he guided me through the process. He pushed me to do it myself and, and push myself like emotionally and internally to get to that point. And it was, it was very cool. And I, that's, that's what I love about this is you get yeah. to repeat that every time, but it reminds you again of how important you are as part of that process, that life cycle that again, it, you're, you are a predator, you are respecting the animal, but you're also doing it in a way that's ethical. It's providing a pathway for conservation. It's providing a pathway for, healthier animal herds long-term. So hopefully my son, your son and daughter, uh, Adam's nephews and, and nieces, they can all down the line still experience what we experienced. And to me, that's part of why hunting is so important, right? Is yeah. that you have that full circle engagement that you really are a part of something so much larger than yourself. I feel like it's so important too, because when we got Russia and we got North Korea kind of joining forces right now. And it's like, if you ever had something where they shut down the power grid and things got crazy, it's like to have a bow and an arrow and know what you're doing, get in the mountains and be able to feed your family. Right. It's something you, I mean, in that moment, you would pay anything to have that skill set and to have the equipment. And I feel like there's just not enough appreciation for like that we can attain that, that we can attain that it's out there and we can get it. And there's, I mean, there's so many people out there that are kind of pushing hunting and kind of showing people the importance and connecting people to, I mean, you got, you got people talking about like killing animals and people that are so against it. And it's, mm -hmm you really do look at it from this perspective, like there's no way you can get your food without killing something. There's right. no, you can't, there's no way you can't, you can't make a big giant farm without displacing a bazillion different animals, mm -hmm. killing a bunch of animals. And I think people, they, a lot of people just want to complain. A lot of people just want to be offended and they want to feel like sensitive, but it's happening and this i mean if you got an elk so let's say you got an elk sure how long how long would that feed your family how long would that feed you shit that would feed adam's family and my family for what two years two years 
one elk. Yeah, with with two, well, you know, four people total if we split it, and then Coulter, I, yeah, I mean, probably two years. And I've, I've, I've still got meat from my whitetail that I took two years ago. So that was much smaller. That's the cool thing ever. Right? It's the most organic thing. And, and to me, there's a level of hypocrisy, right? If you are a vegan, if you are against hunting, if you are against um, the use of animal as part of your sustenance, you're a hypocrite, right? It's, my family owns a farm in Nebraska, so you've known that for many, many years. Yep. You go to till up that land, how many mice, how many voles, how many snakes, how many rabbits did you kill? Did you potentially displace some raccoons? Did you destroy an ecosystem? I mean, if you are a vegan and nothing wrong with that, by all means, yeah. what makes you happy, God bless it. I will never make fun of you for that. But for us being hunters and conservationists and understanding again, our place in this life cycle, if, if you are against that wholeheartedly, go take a deep look in the mirror and understand your place in the cycle. Because again, if, if you are only eating plants and you were only going down that path and you were strictly adhering to that lifestyle, I mean, good for you, but you're not in touch with reality. You're not in touch with what it takes to get that there. Yep. Right. And that's, that's part of that just general understanding people, they don't want to have the emotional connection to it because as soon as you put a real level of facts around how that food gets to your plate, regardless of what it is, people lose their mind. And it's so yeah. incomprehensible that they would rather stay ignorant and partially educated than be fully educated and accepting. Cause once you see the whole life cycle, whether it is like a, a set of beets, how beets get to your plate, Again, if you were to really detail it down to that that moment, how much stuff dies to make sure that beat gets to your plate. I, I mean, that you start to have that understanding, it changes your perspective on the world as well. I mean, for right. Adam and I, we are hopefully, every time we harvest an animal, Sorry about that. <laughs> All good. This is, I guess, uh, Zoom. They switched their time limits now, so <laughs> we'll uh, we'll get back to Dust, and he was finishing his thoughts, and then I got a couple questions, and then we can wrap it up, and you guys can yeah. get back to your families and get some sleep. Yeah, I mean, we were just talking about this, like understanding your place, right? Why this it goes back to why this is so important to us is we we do want to provide people an ability as an extension through our company to participate in that and participate in that life and participate in that, uh, that moment and, and just engagement in the world around you. And that's, what's so unique about hunting. Um, obviously for a couple of the days that I was up there, I was by myself. This was the first hunt I've ever been on myself privately that I didn't have my hunting partner with me for a couple of days and obviously work schedules and stuff. It just kind of got a little crazy. Yeah. But being up there by yourself, being in the woods, truly by yourself, not having another human within miles of you is a very unique feeling. Yeah. How is that? What does that feel like? It's weird at first. And like, it, we laugh about this. Like I hated walking back to camp by myself at night. That's just not a good feeling. Cause like, I'm not the biggest, baddest creature on the planet at that exact moment in time. <laughs> so it, it gives you a very interesting concept of where you are in this general scheme of things. But sitting there and then leaving camp at 5 a.m., walking through thick timber in the dark, I would never have done that in a previous <laughs> life without Adam pushing me to be like, hey, sit here, 
come back after like when the sun goes down and like last light that is truly last light. I want you to sit right here and just see what happens in that last 30 minutes. It's insane how the world opens up around you and how loud silence actually is, which is that's a kind of a weird concept to get to people. You get down there and you settle down and you're waiting and you start to just relax and the birds start chirping, the world starts opening up around you. You kind of become part of the environment as you're hunting. That is a very cool feeling for someone who's never experienced it because you're no longer an outsider. You're no longer something that's affecting that environment. They're reacting to you. They're just going about their normal lives and you're just there. It's so it's so cool. very cool. So I went the first year, I so I got my hunting license last year. I didn't know how the tag thing works. So I just applied and then I got two really shitty tags. And so one was like <laughs> Halloween and one was Thanksgiving. And so one was uh, Burlington, which is right on the border of like Kansas. Flat. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was terrible. So I took Kelsey. We tried to get like a, I think I had a mule deer. We didn't see anything. And then the other hunt was super cool. So we went above, it was I-70 up towards like the, the uh, hot springs. Mm-hmm. And so we had an elk tag. And so me and my buddy went up, but it was just one day. I honestly like had really no idea what I was doing, but the most, so I'll do the incline every week and I do like these crazy hikes and runs, but there's always other people. It was so weird to be in nature, me and my friend away from absolutely everything. It was like the most, I I can't even explain how free I felt like to just be like you were saying, like, it's like you can hear things and it's the silence really does seem like so loud because it's just you existing in something that you never even took the time to let yourself like be aware that this is out there. You know what I mean? Right. It's a, it's a crazy concept. I mean, a very different experience right? like you did what three months in the wilderness by yourself <laughs> uh, I, I wasn't by myself I, I was with a group in college with the national outdoor leadership school but we did have a, you know, a week-long kind of solo deal and um yeah i you know not hunting during that time i feel like you know there's a lot of things that i i didn't pick up on like around me, but Dustin and I were talking this week. And when you're hunting and alone in the wilderness, like your senses are more heightened than they ever will be yeah. in your entire life. Every twig break, every time a squirrel throws a pine cone out, out of the top of a tree, I mean, it. Squirrels. your head is just swivel constantly. Um, you know, and I think that's something that's unique to hunting and being in the wilderness and just not being in the wilderness kind of existing when you're, when you're hunting, you're, um, yeah, your, your senses are tenfold what they are in kind of your everyday life. Yeah. So Adam, for you, why archery? Why, why archery over everything else? You know, I, I think I just got to the point within hunting and kind of going back to what we talked about of starting with a rifle and, um, you know, harvesting animals with a rifle, you get to a point to where, um, you know, I, and I still rifle hunt to this day. It's not like it's something that I gave up, but you yeah. want a new, a new experience, a new challenge. 
and, and really a, a new way to um, to test really how much you've learned and really how good of a hunter you are because your uh, your failures are exponentially um, compounded on uh, no pun intended when you have a bow um, than than with a rifle so that was kind of the I guess the evolution of me hunting rifle I, I took a bull in 2019 with a muzzle loader public land bull and archery was the next next deal so when i got it you know dustin got into it before i did and you know he's building arrows for himself and dustin being the detail-oriented guy that he is uh he i mean he just had so much technical knowledge on a bow that was pretty easy for me when i got into it to have someone to bounce things off of and you know i still bounce things off of dustin you know today as far as hey you know, I'm shooting high and right and, you know, field points, broadheads, broadhead tuning, all this stuff, um, you know, that he's, he's just a good resource to have to say, hey, let's tweak it here. Let's let's do this. Let's do that. So yeah. um, he could be like a he could be like a somebody reach out to as like a for a consultation, you know, with well, and, well, and, and I, <laughs> that's the cool thing about the hunting community and. I know Dustin and I, and when we're putting it out here, you know, for all your listeners, like if you have questions about hunting, not even archery, like get a hold of us. Um, yeah. We are more than to answer any of your questions. And if you never buy anything from us, we, you know, no skin off our back. We don't care. We're just, you know, we want to help the community out and help new hunters out. So. Mm-hmm. Dustin, I bought all my hunting gear is from Dustin. I got my jacket, my shirts, my pants, everything. And then I asked him about the rifle, ammunition, and just super, super helpful. Like, he honestly will just break down, like, what are you trying to hunt? Where are you hunting? Like, what's your goal? And then, yeah, super, super helpful. And so, I mean, for the listeners, what's uh, what's your Instagram so people can hit you up if they need to? Yeah, so it's just Ullers underscore archery. So you just want to get guys. Yep. If you you just search Ullers, we should be the top one that pops up. Now, I did a lot of work with multiple Instagram setups to try and make sure that we're the first one that pops up there. But uh, yeah, you guys are doing pretty good. Yeah, it's fun. And and that's, you hit on something that's kind of what this is about, right? It's a consultation. And you really kind of have to take that time. And we enjoy that, right? Because we want you to have that experience. We want you to enjoy that moment. We want you to have that one interaction that for the rest of your life, you're like, fuck, that was the most amazing thing I've ever done. And it sometimes it starts with as little as an arrow, as little as a bow, yeah. having that conversation about your rifle. We want more people to get into this. I mean, I think for a long time, there's this stigma that the hunting community is, it's isolated. It's it's not something that people talk about. It's not open to outsiders. And, and well, I, think there, there I think it's maybe intimidating. The, I think yeah. it's intimidating. It's honestly like I'll look at you guys like you know what you're doing and I feel like it's just it's intimidating to kind of come to you and feel like you want to like let me into your world. Like you it honestly does feel a little bit like hunters want to like keep this secrets and they got their lands and they got their equipment and they don't want us kind of encroaching on this amazing thing that they found and until recently, like, I mean, 
there's so many hunters coming out and just telling us how amazing it is and mm-hmm. sharing their secrets about arrows and bows and ammunition and guns and areas. And I think there's a lot of people out there that feel like they have this kind of scarcity mindset where there's not enough, but the people like you guys and I mean, kind of the people I listen to, they have more of like an abundance. There's enough to go around and let's all kind of like, let's all get in this together and see. I mean, it just seems like so rewarding. Well, and it, how big of hunting is part of our culture, right? We as Americans, I mean, hunting is kind of what built America. Yep. Hey, you look at the frontiersmen and, and, and the explorers that pushed west, they were hunters. Now, they're trappers and they probably had some other ideals in mind, but at the heart of it, it was hunting. Americans as a whole, I mean, that's, that's what we do, right? I mean, it's conquer the wild. It's conquer conquer the world around you. And what we find very quickly is the world conquers you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we heard from our friends at High Carvest, he had a great line that's like, you'll never cheat the mountain. Like, and it is so true. Like, no matter how hard you train, no matter how much time you put in, yeah. I, I got my ass kicked. This is the best <laughs> shape I've been in since college. And I'm saying, and thankfully to my, my partner with Adam, who pushed me and like, we got to keep doing it. Cause there was hunts where I'm watching him walk up that mountain. I thought I was going to fucking die. <laughs> I'm breathing so goddamn hard and I'm watching him just walk away from me. And he's trying to like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, I just need to look at the skies. <laughs> Give me a minute. It's, it's really pretty. I need to need a moment here, but what are you doing, Adam? How are you staying in such good shape? You doing that stair stepper or what? You out there climbing mountains every day. I'm a dude and always been a big dude. I, I'm not in the best shape and, you know, I I could be in a lot better shape. Um, I, I'm honestly, I, I'm doing a sheep and caribou hunt in the Northwest Territories in 2025 and um, I, our buddies over at Hunt Hike Harvest, I, I'm going to contact them about, you know, uh, training and helping me get in shape for that. But I, I don't know, my, my wife kind of jokes when I hike, I just kind of have this like next gear that I can go into and kind of like, you know, um, just kind of keep chugging along. So I, I I don't think you said I'm in, you know, exceptionally good shape. I've just spent a lot of time in the mountain. I, you know, can just keep trucking, I guess. So he's got those mountain goat jeans in him. Got yeah, yeah. Got those mountain mountain goats here, granddaddy. There you right. go. Yeah. But, I think it's interesting too because I I wish more people would reach out right and have those conversations because there are so many other hunters out there now. We may not take you to our honey holes and our, our sweet spots to go hunt, but it doesn't mean that people wouldn't impart knowledge on you to get you into it and get you into a spot where you've got a fairly good chance yeah. to be successful. Um, and then again, I, it's opportunities like this. I mean, archery is such a unique community because it, it is so much more than just hunting. I and mean, you do have competition shooters. You do have, and there's four different types of archery uh, competitions out there. There's indoor, outdoor target. Um, there's 3D. You've got Olympic style. You've got a lot of different types of archery that are out mm-hmm. there. And the numbers of competitions here in Colorado, it's only growing. And it seems like every couple of years, a new archery shop opens up. There's events like the Western Hunt Fest and Efren and, and team over there. They've they've killed it with that that program. Yeah. The Pack Out Challenge. You've got uh, Best of the Best with Luke and team. Obviously, women sponsored that and got to see that firsthand. I mean, I'm fairly accomplished archer. Me and Adam are fairly decent at what we do. There are some seriously seriously good archers 
that yeah. come to these competitions. But I learned more listening to them and having them talk about their experiences and what they do and what they like and why they choose certain components over others. And there's no real right or wrong. It's just constant, that constant knowledge build. Um, just, it's a unique community. It's fun and it, it doesn't yeah. push people to the outside. Um, there are certain well, sporting communities that can community. absolutely push people to the outside and they, it's almost like they don't want you there. Yeah. No, it seems like, I mean, I honestly, like I, I had uh, trepidations and reservations about kind of joining this community. And then, I mean, it's, it's really like you do like the hunter safety course. It's pretty simple. You do like a little online course then you do a one day in person. You take a little written test then you get, then you're able to hunt. And it's the same, like, I think people, it's almost like, it seems like overwhelming where you think it's going to be too much. It's just like, if you didn't grow up hunting, there's, you can't hunt. It's over. There's nothing you can do about it. Right. And that's how I felt about it. And then, I mean, people like you coming out and educating people like me, it makes us feel like we can get into this mm -hmm. and to feel like we are invited and it's, I mean, obviously you're making something for consumers and then the more people that get into it, it's better for, it's honestly better for everybody. Mm -hmm. It's better for everybody. And I think, I mean, if you just look at it strictly from like a health standpoint too, like you're in shape, you're getting fresh, clean meat. You're, I mean, you're not, there's so much meat that I consume where it's like, says organic it says grass fed i don't know where it's coming from you know what i mean it could be right. a bullshit it could just be a big lie and mm -hmm. you think you're eating healthy but you're the one out there with the arrow pulling it back you go you cut it up and i just can't imagine like the connection you have with the animal i mean every bite you take has you have to appreciate that so much well, and, and how it changes your perception of, and again, this whole culture that we have. And again, I, I talk about how this is, it's part of the American culture. Tonight at dinner, we had some Italian deer sausage that I had for my whitetail I took in Nebraska. That's awesome. It's neat to be able to just pull it out of the freezer and know that I'm cooking something that I, I, I did that myself. And I'm honoring, yeah. people. I'm ensuring that it, it's here to have another place down the line. It's, it's feeding my family. My son got to try deer for the first time. He was in heaven. Loved it. So that's a positive. My wife didn't turn her nose up at it, which is saying if you've never had game meat before, that can be a turn off. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a neat, neat part of it. There's a story. And yeah. uh, this again, this is why I have Adam is one of my best friends is he talked to me about what that's going to feel like that first time you get to have your friends over and have a meal with meat that you took. Yeah. It, it just, it gets people excited. They want to know about it. If they don't want to know about it, that's fine too. And no harm, no foul, but it, it's a neat conversation piece. And you don't necessarily have to be a hunter to engage in that. Yeah. And it opens up an idea that maybe people hadn't really thought of before. And now it, it's right there in front of them and they're stepping out of their boundaries. It's pushing them beyond their limits. And they're trying something they would never have traditionally got. You will never get that at a restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like the, the meat that we take, we, I can't sell that to a restaurant. It has to be consumed. I can give it to a friend to enjoy. It's like, you want to come over and say, hey, I love that Italian sausage. Do you, would you mind if I had some? I could give you some of that Italian sausage to consume, but I couldn't sell it to you. So it really is a very once in a lifetime unique experience to have that interaction. 
but again, it comes on. It's it's neat to talk about, and it engages yeah. me. Yeah, it's cool. You guys too. You get to go in the mountains and just bond and hang out. It's like right plus far. Like I mean, I went with my buddy, and it's just me and him in the mountains. And I mean, we saw some mule deer. We saw some whitetail. We saw like we climbed. We climbed this ridge. It went on forever. We hiked. I think it was like fourteen miles. Jesus. And we had this pack on, and it was the best workout I've ever had. So quiet, so peaceful. There was no footprints. It was just we were making all the tracks, and I just felt like there's no way you could connect better to to nature than hunting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's no way. And as a human, I mean, you have to eat. There's you have to eat as part of life to stay alive and if you're a carnivore if you're consuming meat it just seems like there's no healthier more spiritual way to feed yourself than to go actually get get your get your food go get your food and i mean i look up to you guys i think it's so cool like people that hunt i look at you guys and i'm like that's like I want to be that. I would love to get better and better and better. And yeah, I pre I really appreciate what you guys are doing. It's super cool. You actually just gave me a, an idea for a, a piece of apparel. Is go get your food and we'll have an archer in the center. There you like, go. I like you it. Go. Right. Well, cool. Well, what else do you, anything else? I'll let you guys get going here. No, man, we appreciate you having us on. Obviously, starting a company is it's incredibly difficult, especially in this industry. The outdoor industry is is tough to break into. It's you get very accustomed to specific products and specific builds and how things are done. It's it's hard to change people's mind. Yeah. But hopefully, hopefully, we're making waves with people, and you you can see that there there's more to this, and we can take you that much further. We can push your limits. We can yeah. give you the ability to stretch out your your capabilities and give you confidence in that shot give you confidence in your hunt and that that's really what we're trying to accomplish through a very personal touch environment that again we know what you're doing we know you're going to be taking the stuff into the field and it's our reputation that's behind it but yeah. we are good enough at what we do we believe in what we do we're friends we're business partners for a reason we we hope we can engage more people in, in the content and the media and hopefully just bring a new light to what hunting is and again if yeah. you guys want to contact us hit us up on instagram shoot us a message our emails on there we're happy to answer emails and just talk you through scenarios whether it's with our products or not we just, we just enjoy the conversation and yeah that's awesome hopefully we can build a cool brand that's very very synonymous with what we do and again we worked hard on the logo here that it, yeah, it has a cool some brand presence behind it and who made that how did you guys come up with that so I had started researching the name. I, I really liked the mythology behind it, the culture behind it. And I had, had drawn up this idea of what Uller should look like with the antlers and yeah, that's cool. Okay. kind of a raw drawing. And I found a, a graphic artist that does way better than what I could do. And he simplified it and okay. helped create the logo. And again, it's it, so cool. Like when you come up with something and like it's there, like right behind you. You right. got two. You got two of your logos sitting right behind you that came from your brain. Right. Okay. Cool. It's, it's fun because it's like we got to we got to do this together, and this this was kind of a a moment of 
how, how, how could we make this something we do for the rest of our lives? Yeah. I, I love, I love what I do for a living in the real life and it's, it's fun, but I would love to get to the point where this, this idea, this lifestyle, this culture, this hobby is my life. Yep. And we would like to get to the point that Uller's provides us the opportunity to hunt and shoot and that's what we do. And that's what makes yeah. us happy. And, and hopefully we can impart that on the people that are spending time with us and engaging our content, buying our product and wearing our shirts. And again, I, I appreciate you for rocking yeah, the hat. That really means the I world. I love it. This is like the most comfortable sweatshirt I own, honestly. Well, I, I love it. I love what you guys are doing. I'm hoping I get some people reaching out to you. I got, yeah. I know I got some new hunters just getting into it. So I'm hoping they reach out and yeah. I, I honestly will be working my way towards bow hunting. I'll hit you up too. Cause I need to get some more information from you about yeah. what I'm trying to plan, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I really appreciate it. We'll give you as much knowledge as we can. And again, if, if we can guide you to the right area and when you're ready to step into the bow world, obviously, um, We've got some connections within the actual bow manufacturer setup, so we'll make sure you're taken care of there, and we'll get you to a point that you don't feel uncomfortable going into the field. You'll know your limits. You'll know exactly how far you can push them, and then you will already have that understanding of that impact in the environment, so it won't be something that should feel daunting. It'll always make you a little bit nervous, mainly from excitement, because you never know what you're going to get into. And yeah. when we talked about our hunt. I, we had a bull at 45 yards at a steep, steep uphill in dark, fall down timber. And it just, it just wasn't the right shot. We couldn't yeah. pull it off and seal the deal. <laughs> but then so three hours before that, we had a massive bull sitting on the top of the ridge, bugling and chuckling at us. It was almost like he was laughing at us, like, you <laughs> dumbasses, come get me. Uh, needless to say, we did not go get him. So, but uh, and again, for the listeners, if you need anything, our website that's www.ullersarchery.com. Um, Ullers underscore archery for Instagram. So you guys just it's U L L R S. Yes. You guys know. Yep. Yeah. Right. So hit us up. We're here for you. And again, Tyler, thank you. It's, it's great to connect with you, man. It's nice to yeah, man. For sure. I appreciate it. Get back into it. So. Great. Hey, thank you, Adam. Thanks, Dustin. I appreciate yeah. you guys. Absolutely, brother. Great. Yep. I'll get this. Yeah. I'll get this put up in the next in the next week, and then I'll shoot it to you guys so you can check it out. And then, yeah, hope we get you a little bit of business. Absolutely, brother. And if we need to get you some custom arrows when you're ready, we'll do some King of Corona uh, wraps, <laughs> and we'll make the arrows super custom to you, brother. All right, that sounds good. Hi, right, my friend. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Todd. Appreciate you, buddy. Uh, we'll see you guys.